episode 316, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., season 7, episode 1, The New Deal. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here to talk about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the reason that we were doing this podcast in the first place. It's back, and we're back. And when I say we, I mean me, as I've already said. I already told you my name, but I'm here with Agent Stewart. Yay, Agent Stewart. And Agent Samantha. Yay. Hi, everyone. And I want to say to you two, welcome back. Welcome that, back. It has been a long time, Ben. It has been. It has been. Yes. And I heard you guys talking about me, though, on the last show. Yeah. Yeah. Last I, episode, I, Daniel came back. Yeah. Little, I don't know if that would, I won't call that his victory lap. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have his victory lap later on where he can come back and, and wrap things up with us. Maybe even after this season. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe even during the season. Who knows? But we did talk about you, Stu. We did. Because you're just too nice. (laughs) (laughs) How's that when the gossip about you is that, yeah, he's just not not as mean as we thought he should be. (laughs) Yeah, it was. I was sitting there and I was like, are they? He's. Oh, yeah. Okay. He mentioned my. Oh, okay. I'm too nice to Ben. I don't even know how to be right now. I don't even know what to think right now. I can't be too nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I would take it as a as a mandate, you know, just, <laughs> just take it as a more of a guideline, just yeah. some some constructive criticism, you know? Yeah. Well, that means that Daniel must come back to the show. But Daniel was no. not mean either. So, no, I don't I mean, remember. We, we, we hardly argued at all the whole time that we were talking. There was a little bit of a, a conflict and. Uh, I did get some feedback on him uh, from him. He didn't leave a message about this episode, but I did get this. He said four minutes before I said Ben is right. Um, four minutes into the episode. I'm not sure exactly what the time frame is that he's referring <laughs> to. All I'm really going to focus on is maybe those last three words yeah, I think of what Daniel so said, which was that Ben is right. And I think what he's talking about is, uh, what I was saying about Coulson and what the character of LMD Coulson is going to be like in this season. I think I, I think that's what I'm, what he's talking about, because that is the one kind of little area where we had a little bit of back and forth. Basically, I was trusting the people who are creating the show a little mm-hmm. bit more than he was. But we we're both asking for the same thing, which is we wanted this to be a different character and not just be Coulson automatically you know like but to give him room to grow and to to have things to do so um yeah let's let's quickly i mean there's not too much stuff we need to banter about right now i mean the show is back and we've got 12 more episodes after this one and i think we've got something i've got something to look forward to this summer um you guys watched it live Mm-hmm. both of you yes okay yeah so we were watching it together just apart 
which is I guess, everything cool. right now. Everything is, yeah. we're together and apart. But um, I got to say, for the first time that's ever happened, that was pretty cool. What's that? Yeah, and and if you notice, we were all safely social distancing, and we mm. all had hand sanitizer in our masks. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and social distancing spray. from literally, you know, hundreds of miles. <laughs> so <laughs> it really worked out well. Um, I will say this, though. The difference was I was not sitting in a room by myself or sitting in a room as my wife is walking through the room from one place to another because she has no interest in this. I was in a room with four other human beings, actual human beings who were watching the show with me. And it was my children because we made it through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the entire series, and Agent Carter, the entire series, because I wanted to make sure that they knew those characters um, because of of some news that we had recently about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., season seven. And yeah, it was very interesting to watch the show with four people who are now so interested in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that they draw fan art and, you know, well, I guess they don't have to ship Fitz and Simmons, but they did ship Fitz, Fitz and Simmons before uh, that happened. And yeah, yeah, it was interesting to watch it with them, see them react. Yeah. Um, and, and that live experience is good, too. Yeah. So uh, real quick, if you are just joining us, here's our spoiler po- policy before we get into this episode. Basically, anything we've talked about on this podcast is fair game for us to spoil. That means that we might end up talking about, say, Avengers Endgame. No, not might. We will be. Because of, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, we will be talking about Avengers Endgame, and because we've covered it on the the podcast, and we have an episode about it, and it's out there, then it's it's fair game. If we have not talked about it on this podcast, then we probably there's one or more of us who haven't watched it yet, and so we don't want to spoil it for each other, let alone for um, someone else, and so we're not going to spoil things that haven't happened yet, or we haven't had a chance to see. And so that means that most of the back half of Netflix is not going to be talked about here. But we could potentially talk about Runaways and we could potentially talk about um, uh, Cloak and Dagger and and those kind of things. So and that's most of Punisher season one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not that we really will have that much reason to talk about like the first half of Punisher season one. But right. Yeah, it's, it's fair game. So. Uh, but as far as you're concerned, that usually uh, when I say you, I mean, you're the listener um, that generally speaking, that's going to cover the movies and anything on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and so just be aware of that. We do not we, we speculate about things, but we speculate from ignorance. And so we we don't have any special knowledge about what is coming on the next few episodes. And we do avoid talking about the uh, teasers that tease what's going to happen in the next episode. And that's if we chose to watch it or not. Um, we, we just, again, we, we don't want to spoil anything for people. Uh, we don't want to, we don't want to deliberately spoil anything for people. And if there is a spoiler, it's because we accidentally came up with a thing that actually is going to happen. Right. So, yeah, I didn't even watch the teaser. I don't even know what's going to happen yeah. next week. So, yeah. And I had to, like quickly with my kids, I was like, wait, you may not want to watch this or you might want to. I don't care, but you're gonna have to choose and just know what's happening because they have not watched anything live with with S.H.I.E.L.D. It's all been Netflix. Um, and then we watched uh, Carter on on Disney Plus. But um, 
you know, there's no what's going to happen. There's no teaser for next episode on Netflix because they just don't need to do it because you can just jump mm-hmm. to the next episode. 14 seconds, baby. I will say this. When I watch Next Generation and they don't have that next time on Star Trek, the next generation, I do miss miss that voice, miss that guy who every week I heard him tell me it was going to happen next time on Star Trek, the next generation. So. Yeah. But I don't care about it for, for S.H.I.E.L.D. I do appreciate that they retained the last time stuff mm-hmm. on Netflix because it is nice to have that reminder, especially on a show like this. So, All right. Well, let's talk about this episode. The episode is called The New Deal. The New Deal. Which that's an appropriate name. It is totally appropriate. And just quickly, we're going to – I'm not going to give a huge synopsis, but just quickly, this is the episode where – they have gone back to 1931, something like that. Um, but they're going back following uh, following a wake in the time stream that the Chronicoms left as they went back in time to try and stop S.H.I.E.L.D. from being created. So they followed the Borg back in time. Yes, now exactly. Now they're going to meet, they're gonna <laughs> exactly. meet uh, the guy, they're going to meet Cochrane before he goes up into space with the warp five engine with the warp engine. Right? Hey, Stuart, you joke, but that's basically what happens. I know, right? <laughs> like they they do meet someone important to Shield history, and he's not what you would expect necessarily. And yeah, but the Chronicoms are going that- back to stop Shield from ever being formed because if they can stop Shield from ever being formed, then there's going to be all sorts of great things that happen in the future for them because they don't have to worry about Shield getting in the way of their plans to save their planet. And so that's what's what's that's the big MacGuffin right now. So, yeah, this. Oh, go ahead. Then I have questions. OK, um, so they think that the plan is that they're going to kill FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, before he becomes president. They're, he's a governor still. He's not. If they kill him now, then he'll never become president. And then he will never be the one who sets in motion the stuff that's going to happen to cause the SSR to be created, which will then form into S.H.I.E.L.D. But they got it wrong. And it's actually not FDR. It's Freddy, as in Frederick... uh, Alfred Malik. Malik, yeah. Yeah. And so they now find themselves in a place where they have to protect someone who is going to become very evil because if they don't do that yeah shield will never be formed but that's the thread that the chronicoms plan to pull it's not the thread that causes shield to be formed but the thread that causes hydra kind of because hydra was kind of a culty thing before then but yeah yeah but maybe just the 20 20th century manifestation of Hydra. Well, and, and Malik was a big part of it, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So anyway, there's all sorts of fun time travel shenanigans, and we get to see LMD Colson for the first time. We get to see our team operate in the 30s, and we're going to talk about them. I don't know if we'll go character by character or topic by topic, but um, but yeah, that's that's the gist of this episode. We find out how what the Chronicoms look like. We find out what they do to humans to make themselves look like humans. (laughs) Um, So here's my question. Yeah. Why? I, I, I did not do a rewatch of season six. I apologize. 
I guess. I guess you're just not dedicated because I, I, I did a rewatch of the whole entire series, man. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's fine. I, I can have be hashtag bad fan. Um, why do why are the Chronicons out to dis out to kill Shield? So their planet was destroyed. They are either going to well they they wanted to build a, a time machine to stop their planet from being destroyed but instead their the planet was, that was destroyed was Chronicom 2 and instead they're going to create Chronicom 3 on earth well i guess there's a good i guess that's good that they have an infinite amount of numbers yes okay yeah. Which so I mean, for me in my head, I mean, I realize that this is just you know for plot, but there are so many other planets out there. Why Earth? Because well, Earth makes, is where it all happens. Earth basically. is a Goldilocks planet. Uh, there's a lot of uninhabited Goldilocks planets out there in the galaxy. They could have found another one. They're Maybe. just being lazy. Maybe. <laughs> that's 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 my opinion of the Chronicoms now. They're just being lazy. They don't want to go anywhere else. They have to find like. A perfect world, though, and in some ways, I might. This might even be spite that's driving them. Although they're supposed to not have, you know, that emotional Emotions. drive, but yeah. Um, but it might be a little <laughs> bit of spite because, you know, Shield got in the way of their other plans. So, yeah, but I don't know that. That is a good question that I do not have the answer to. And I don't know if it was mentioned in this episode why or. In the previous episode, I, I I couldn't tell you that, but I think it's just because plot. I I think it's because plot right now. It might be something else later, but ah. definitely right now, plot. But it is definitely one of those. Um, I mean, we've seen this plot before. Mm-hmm. You know the yeah. the threat from the future. I mean, this is Star Trek: First Contact. This is Terminator. This is, I mean, any number of of time travel uh, movies, books, shows, comics. It is very comic booky. It, yes. it does have that that about it. I really liked the uh, logo at the beginning. Oh, that was great! The '30s logo. I thought I that was in my notes. That was cool. That was super unexpected. I love the 1930s clothes. I really just love the clothing from that era. <laughs> okay, fangirl over. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that that was a whole thing. This whole episode took place in the 30s. Yeah. You know, we didn't bounce but, around to any kind of time period. Um, and so they, they're talking about how this is the Depression, and Deke's like, this is great. <laughs> you know, I got all these clothes for $13. And Coulson's like, this is the Great Depression. And then you have Mac having to deal with the color of his skin as he's mm-hmm. he's making his way oh, yeah. around this this whole thing. And you have Quake dealing with being a, a female in, in this era. And, and not allowed to have purple hair. Right. Yeah, I'm with Mac on that. I mean, it, I think it looks great on her, but in this era, it's just going to stand out too much. That is right. It was yeah. funny that that was one of the first things LMD Coulson said was, hey, nice hair, you know. And, <laughs> um. And I'll, I'll also say my daughters were were kind of fangirling about the costuming and the hair and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just all the period piece stuff. So, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I'm glad that they took some time with, with Mac to actually, like, just address, like, 
the the one main reason that's that's keeping him in check is the ripples not waves thing you know like he doesn't ripples not waves he kept saying it and when people would say things to him he just kind of muttered his breath ripples not waves ripples not waves and he has a, he has a mission but i'm glad that they did take time to address that because there's three ways to go one is make that what your show is about the other is to ignore it completely and then in this case our show is about something else but let's 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 call it what it is let's 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 show what it is and let's see you know this is the 30s yeah. And I do appreciate that that he was very logical about it. You know, this is the past. It's it's not a, something that it needs to be addressed at this moment. You know, I can, you know, if I just tolerate it, we'll get out of this era and I'll be fine. And then I'll be head of shield again. Well, he he still is head of he shield. He is. Yeah. Um but I don't think the 1930s would would quite understand or even tolerate really a black man being the leader of a mostly white group. No, 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 which is sad. The, the interesting thing was, um, that, uh, Quake was less controlled than him. <laughs> like she's, yeah. she goes ahead and threatens the police officer and well, that's very in character. She's a little bit more hot headed than he is, which is why she gave up being director of shield. And he, he's much more, you know, he's, he thinks before he acts. She yeah, does not yeah. as much. It was a little bit weird to hear LMD Colson, uh, call Mac director. You know, that was, that was a little odd for me. He's like, he says something like, you got a director or something like that. I'm just like, oh, wait. Yeah. Do you, do you think he's going to get a, a cat and name it Spot? <laughs> no. You know, it's funny you'd say that, though, because um, I did see a headline of an interview that he did. And, and then I read the interview just to see what he said. But basically, he was saying, this character is not like Data at all. <laughs> that was the headline no. of the article was um clark Gregg says colson is not like data or something like that and then in the interview they ask him about data and he's ah, it's not like data at all and i mean it's not really i he's mean not, he's no. got he's got the humanity that i think data was searching for so that's good um right now he kind of felt just like an encyclopedia you know, like a Wikipedia page come to life. So what, what, yes, I, it's nice to have Clark Gregg back, but why do we have Colson back? Um, well, those encyclopedia moments, that's something that's within character of Colson when he oh, was absolutely. flesh and blood human. Yeah. So th that, that didn't surprise me. I mean, what did surprise me is that no one gave him the schematics for his own body. So he should know if he has gears. <laughs> that was a funny moment, though. But it was. <laughs> um, what what I see though is, I mean, one of the reasons they brought him back was because of his knowledge of of history and his knowledge of Shield, you know. And they bring him back using the framework template that they had, and then they gave him memories of what happened between then and and now. I think that what's going on here though is he has a he has better recall of things he learned. 
because the things he's talking about from history, some of the stuff he's talking about from history is stuff that he's like, how do I remember that? Oh yeah. It was in, it was in my class in, you know, during, during the Academy. And so I think that he is, yes, like an encyclopedia in the sense that he's like pulling the data out. But at the same time, it's learned information that he just has a thousand percent better recall of, I think. That's what it felt like to me. Again, I believe he also has superhuman strength, too. He does. Well, so, of course, he has superhuman strength. Everybody on that yeah. team, except for Mac and Deke, has superhuman strength. Yeah, but he, you, again, had that moment where he's walking with uh, with Quake in at the, the dinner, and he says, this is great. This is this is the first time where you and I both are, are walking around with uh, as superheroes. Like, he called mm-hmm. himself a superhero. Now that you just said that, that's cool. Because I remember back in when... Uh, Fury came to the show, dropped in for the day, and was like, "You're the reason. You're the 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 fifth Avenger. You're the you're an Avenger." And he gave him the black box. Yeah, and you know he would, would fit in on the Avengers as well. I mean, you have Hawkeye, you know, mm-hmm. and and Black Widow. They're both humans at peak form, um, but still just humans. And now he's not just human. He is post-human. He's no mm-hmm. longer human. Well, Would you he's... say he's an inhuman? No. That's the one thing, by the way, I did not make my kids watch as we were doing <laughs> our ABC corner of the MCU. We did not touch that. Just make them watch Star Trek Discovery Season 2. That that way they get their ants and mount. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to make them do that either because... They're not all that That's interested fun. in Star Trek. <laughs> well, in fact, I before guess. we watched Shield, I w- my, we sent my youngest up to bed, and we had some time, and it's like, oh, I think Star Trek is on because we have a network that every night, six nights a week, does an episode of each series of Star Trek every night. So oh. it's original, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, five hour block. And wow. it was next generation. <laughs> I almost texted you about it, Stuart, because it was the um the first part of the Jellico episodes. Oh yeah. Uh, the, with the, <laughs> that, that was the reason I was gonna text you about it, because Jellico. But um but I mean more than that, this is the Cardassian episode where they, they capture Picard and, and so we're watching I'm watching it. The girls Chain come down. Command. Yeah. The the girls come down. Why are you watching Star Trek right now? <laughs> I'm just like, because I feel like it. Because okay, it's the greatest thing that's ever been on television. It's, what are you talking about? Yeah, they're just just not that into it, and that's no. okay. That's plus, okay. Dad pays the bills. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So the electricity that's putting Star Trek on the screen right now was paid for by me. So <laughs> deal. With yeah. It. So you should have the right to to controlling the remote every once in a while. Every once in a while. So let's. I mean, what more do we want to talk about with Ellen D. Coulson? I mean, that's kind of almost the biggest topic and probably the biggest sci-fi topic of this episode is you have this guy who recognizes that he has someone else's memories. Like he he recognizes he was a blank slate and and then was given these, these memories that he didn't experience, but he was given um, – I mean, there's there's just some really cool sci-fi stuff, and I'm so glad that they allow him 
to think about this. You know, they bring it up and he is thinking about this. He refers to Coulson in the third person as someone else, not himself. And I think he sort of resigns himself that, yeah, that he is a copy of Coulson. And then perhaps, you know, should just take on that persona. I'm hoping that basically we're going to see him kind of embrace the the person you know he is not colson but he is a a being you know he is an entity and yes the memories he has are not his but they are memories that he can use to inform who he is you know and um i i think that there's just some really interesting things that they can can play with there and they kind of hint at it where he and mac have that conversation and Max, like, you didn't want this. I know you wouldn't have wanted this. Um, we need you now. And I'm, I'm against this because I knew you would be against it. And Colson says, I'm with you guys. I'm going to help you guys. But when all this is done, I'm going to revisit this. And so they, they are kind of like setting the scene for him. I think for him either deciding to embrace life or not. And yeah, I like that it's a different um, it's kind of the reverse or opposite of Sarge. So maybe not in um, actual execution, but definitely in tone. Sarge was gruff and mean. Right. And LMD Coulson's like a like a cute little puppy that you want to hold and be like, yeah, you're my friend again. Let's go not touch Lola. Don't do that. But I can totally see, you know, LMD Coulson riding off into the sunset with Lola, if Lola's still around, or whatever. Right? And May. Well, yeah. there's another element there. I mean, May is now going to have to deal with a third person with Coulson's face. Right. A second person with Coulson's face who's not actually Coulson. Poor May. Right. I mean, Coulson, Coulson already had a relationship with LMD May, so <laughs> this is just. Yeah, I don't I mean, I think it's too early to tell, but I definitely I hope in that victory lap or redemption, whatever, I hope that um, the writers are coming up with an idea that's going to resolve that character. Maybe once and for all, but definitely within this arc. Well, and and I have every faith that they will because yeah. they knew this was the final season. Yeah. And they get to write to an ending. Which and, is a rare gift in TV. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about this before. Season five, I feel like, had a perfect ending if they ended mm-hmm. it there. Was it the most satisfying in the world? It was close, you know, it would have been close because it here's May, here's Colson standing on the beach, and then the rest of the team is going to go and we're going to find Fitz. And so all of the stuff that's happening right there is, you know, it's not necessarily pointing to a happy ending for everyone, but it's pointing to the ending, you know, like there's going to be good stuff happening for Simmons and Fitz. And there's going to be, um, you know, Colson's going to die on that beach or something like that, you know, but he and may have a relationship for whatever short amount of time it is, you know, the ending for season six, not so (laughs) it just wasn't, it was a cliffhanger and intentionally so. And 
yeah, my, my son actually is like, they're bringing Coulson back again. And he just, he thinks it's kind of silly, you know, that well, they, and he feels like all of last season was basically filler. Now they got the two season extension. They, okay. So they got two seasons of 13 episodes, an extension, right? They mm-hmm. knew that. Yes. It wasn't like they did season six and then they did season seven. Right. So you got to think that they walked into that room going, okay, we got 26 episodes or however many it was. We're going to start here. We're going to end there and let's get to it. And if that's the whole journey, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that the one thing I would add into what you're you're speculating, my speculation would be that they also were saying to themselves, we're going to start here, we're going to end here after 26 episodes, but we're going to do two different arcs, two very different arcs. And so you have the Sarge arc, and now we have the Chronicom arc. You know, all that Chronicom stuff that was happening last season was basically set up for this season. It was background stuff. And they kept coming to it and just in the post credits, you know, just that little tag scene at the end. Oh, here's here's Enoch again. And we're moving the Chronicom story just a little bit more. And so it's basically to, I think, set up for this half of the season. But yeah, Stuart, they knew after season five. Now it was after season five was done that they got picked up for season six and seven. And so Kevin Feige had something to say about that. I imagine. I think so. I think he was still on when that was happening, but I, uh, that, I don't know the timeline. I, I, I don't don't know know the timeline on that either, but what's interesting is that they got picked up for two seasons after the show was sort of shuttered. Right. And so, I mean, they couldn't have known that this would come at the perfect time during COVID-19. They couldn't have known that. No, but it's an interesting thing to, to, to let the show come back. And I can't wait to see where it goes and ends up. I'm still, I'm still holding out hope that it's all connected. They have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how much knowledge they have or had, but they have the opportunity to tie things up and to give, you know, however crazy it might be, reasons for why in that other timeline in season six, the snap hadn't happened. Yeah. I would love do. to see them try. I don't know if they'll be able to because like when they did season six, they did not know what was going to happen in Endgame or in, in infinity war for that matter. They didn't know about the snap. And Here's so the thing, though. I mean, they had 10, they had a year to do all this and then put it in the can. You mean they couldn't have done at any reshoots at all? Well, but that's the other thing is this was still shot after season six. Yeah, And so I am hoping that they had the opportunity to at least massage some of the stuff at the end. Yes. You know, that's to, my hope. into that direction. We will have to right. wait and see. Because I want to talk about stream theory. Yeah, that's the other big sci-fi thing going on here. You have the yeah. LMD Coulson, but then yeah. you also have the time travel stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah, but it's just um, the explanation of stream theory I, that you know you put sticks in the in a stream, it's going to redirect the water, but it's all going to end up in the same place. I think that's what the show writers are hoping for: is that they will eventually write themselves like to reconnect with the movies and the other TV series somehow at the end. Maybe I. It doesn't feel like the same kind of thing that we had in Endgame, though, you know. And no. I want to, I want to rewatch Endgame, and and kind of kind of get back into the all the time travel theory that they had in that. But then I'd also like to go back and kind of recover like what they were doing with time travel in season five, because season five just had this loop going because you have the timeline going straight ahead. And then it hits this point in the future where people from the past were launched in the future, S.H.I.E.L.D. team, and then they are able to go back in the past to a certain point and not fix things. But there's this never-ending loop until they finally break it and the time stream then is able to continue where the world wasn't quaked and destroyed. And so to me, that's not multiverse. You know, because if it was multiverse, then every single time it would it would branch off into a new universe and, until you get to the one where things go right and they don't have to go back in time and do the loop again. And it would change a little. Yeah, every time it would change a little. Yeah, and I think you would also specifically have to rewatch the scenes with uh, Tilda Swenson in Endgame because she – she literally lays it out in illustration. Here's the time stream. This is what happens when you remove the stones. And then Bruce Banner puts the stones back and said, but we're, we want to take the stones from these time periods, but we won't want to bring them back as soon as we're done with them. Right. So that's where what Deke is saying is, you know, enough sticks and you have a dam and that's going to cause right. trouble and removing the stones is potentially a, a dam moment. Right. The difference is Steve Rogers takes them back and kind of resets things and gets them back. So, and then he goes back to Peggy. Yay. But then we So you're oh, saying yeah. so you're saying what the stones and the infinity gauntlet and all that and Deke's poo sticks analogy. Yes. Basically the same? Well, yes. potentially, I, yeah. Oh, potentially. Okay. Because my whole thought on this was because time travel is, you know, pseudoscience, right? It is conceivable that Professor Hulk came up with an idea that works for the most part. And Tony Stark came up with an idea that works for the most part. But then also Deke has this idea that also works. And just because one works doesn't does it mean that the other one cannot I don't think that's true. I think you could have lots of different ways to time travel. I don't. I mean, I accept it. Like, if you're a fan of Star Trek, you are basically saying it is one universe or multiverse. It's one multiverse where time travel works differently every single time you use it. Absolutely. You know, and, <laughs> and, and I so think if we've established one thing on this show, it's that I'm a fan of Star Trek. It's acceptable. Oh, you are? In, <gasps> but it's acceptable in Star Trek because. That's just the way it is. Like from right. the beginning, from the right. beginning, Star Trek's time travel didn't have a single rule. 
However, uh, with with Agents of Shield, with the MCU, with our real world, I, I feel like that there is only one way it's going to work. Like there's one truth, you know. In the real world, if we discover time travel, it's either going to be we realize the multiverse is real, or you know you can change time, and you can change your timeline. But we're for sure that Back to the Future doesn't exist, right? Back to the Future, I feel like Back to the Future is consistent with itself, though. It is consistent with itself, but in Endgame, they were like, no, Back to the Future's wrong. Yeah. I don't care. Back to the Future can be, can be wrong in Endgame, as long as it's consistent in its own universe. Oh, absolutely. And so I want the MCU to be consistent. I would love Star Trek to be consistent, but it never will be. And so you just got to accept the fact that it's not going to be. And when Spock went back in time to fix what Nero did, he's not going back in time to fix what Nero did in his timeline. He's doing it to fix what Nero did in the branch multiverse timeline that was created because of what Nero did. Which is the greatest thing. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's one of the things I love about that that movie. Well, I mean, Spock's a great guy. Let's face it. Yeah, yeah. And oh, that timeline has a name, by the way. It's called the Kelvin timeline. Yes. Yeah. But Given Spock, to it. Spock didn't need to do that. You know, it's like no. it's like paying the rent for the person next door. You know, if the person next door is a friend, that's one thing. But no, he's paying the rent for somebody who does he doesn't even know very well. Kirk's not a friend. Old Spock is saving a completely different universe. But the Kirk he knows in his prime universe do, no longer exists because he died. But still, yes, you're right. You're it is paying the rent for the neighbor that you barely know. And in, in some ways, but in other ways it's not because these are still people that he knew and loved. But again, going back to the time travel here, you know, let's see what happens because the thing is we don't even know if if the movies are going to be consistent i mean the doctor strange movie is called multiverse of madness what does that mean you know it could be that there's alternate timelines involved it could be that there's ultimate ti alternate timelines created um i don't know i don't know i just would like to be consistent but i'd also like to see our shield team end up in prime MCU timeline. Yes. I, I would hope that that is, if not the Im most important goal, um, definitely in the top five goals of the show is to get our team back in the timeline of, you know, the Avengers and Iron Man and Captain America. I would just love one scene. And I can't remember if I've said this before or not on, on Mike, but I've said this before. I would just love one scene at the end of this season uh -huh. where they find themselves back in the present day, but present day is in the middle of the snap. And they just say, you know, who's in charge? We got to find out who's in charge. And they, they, oh, Natasha. And so let's call <laughs> Natasha and just end it there. Let's call Natasha and then we'll help. You know, we'll do anything. That would be great. Because that opens up, you know, how long did this? It was five years. It was right? five years. Yeah. And when was That's S.H.I.E.L.D. So, needed most in those five right? years? Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I remember the, the pans over because that's that started Endgame, right? When they when they're showing all the um, the, all the, the Russo brother, stuff, yeah. What, yeah, all the snap stuff that was in Endgame. Yeah, I mean, that'd be perfect. That'd be the the best way to end that series. And that is great for me to say from my office chair yep. in the middle of Indiana. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. a year after the it's whole season is written. done, you yeah. know, like, like they'd finished the season last year. It's been done. It's been in the can. It's been waiting for release. And, and you said it, Stuart, like this is the perfect timing, uh, for our show for us mm-hmm. anyway, because it's new programming in a time when a lot of new programming got shut down, but this was already done. Yeah, this was, this was ready to go. All right, let's talk about the Chronicoms and their plan. You now, know. they're Chronicoms, but are they Chronicops? No, they're Chronicrooks. Oh, Ooh. man, that was good. I was about ready to be all sad, and then you <laughs> one-upped it and made it better. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank that you. was a lot better than my re- what my response was going to be because it was going to be like, oh, that's a really terrible dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it went from terrible dad joke to uh, kind of clever dad retort. But Yes. But, yeah, no, this is – again, we're getting to that time travel stuff and the sci-fi stuff here – this is very unusual. They at least gave it the hook or the twist. Um, the hook is they're going back in time to kill someone or destroy someone to stop something from happening to give them a better present day when they go back to the future. The twist is they're not there for FDR. They're there for Freddy. And I have to say I was not a big fan of the interrogation scene. Where the Chronicom is like, FDR, get FDR, 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 Freddy, Freddy. <laughs> oh, that, that one, that one hurt a little bit, but yeah, but they're there to get Freddy, Freddy, who works for Koenig. I can't remember his first name. Oh, I have it written down here because his I middle name was it. Hazard. Ernest Hazard Koenig. Yeah. Hazard. His middle name is Hazard. Yeah. I'm sorry. Pat Oswald cannot play a tough. Cannot. <laughs> uh, yes, you are right. But I think he was playing this character exactly how it needed to be played. <laughs> yes. Fine. As a caricature, yes. Yes. But he was. Uh, can you imagine Pat Oswald walking in and trying to be like Jason Statham or. or... <laughs> Liam Neeson or somebody like that. Again, I think that that would be if the character, I mean, this character was, it called for Patton Oswald as Jason Statham, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. it's. <laughs> and knowing what that is. Exactly. Knowing that you, you are getting exactly what you're getting, you know, right. and it says it right there on the tin. Yeah, Patton this Oswald is, this Statham. is what I was talking about as the Zephyrin Cochran character, you know, where it's an mm-hmm. important person from the past. Um, because he has the speakeasy where later on um, people are going to use this, uh, I guess, as a safe house for SSR agents or something like that. But um, he is an important part of the SSR and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s history. And this is the beginning. This guy here, 
is the beginning of the legacy. And he looks exactly right. like his his grandchildren. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Who play Xbox together? <laughs> Can I tell you who I thought Freddie was going to be related to? Tell me. I totally, and I don't remember his name, but he was the character from Agent Carter who had the limp. I thought, oh, that's going to oh. be his dad. No, that's not his dad or grandfather or whoever it was. No, I mean, it's straight up Malik. Now, here's my thing is I didn't, I didn't expect them to go where they went, but I thought that they were setting up that he was uh, going to be a Chronicom because they just kept focusing on him. Mm. And, and then they focused on uh, the woman, you know. Who's that woman? Where did she come from? Well, she had been in the party a few places. And mm, okay. there was one time where the camera lingered on her and one of my daughters said something like, wouldn't it be funny if you had a show <laughs> and you just did something like that where you just like, let the camera linger on a background character and then never, ever did anything with that character again. <laughs> yeah, it's called Twin Peaks, kid. Yeah, <laughs> actually. Don't watch it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I don't want them to watch it right now. Yeah. But yeah. that show it, it, it is one of the greatest, even with all the missteps that it had. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily recommend season two of Twin Peaks because it's not the greatest, <laughs> but – it's a part of a you know legacy of something that was great. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't seen the the return that they did. So I don't I don't know about the the new the new season that they did, but I haven't seen it either. So Oh well. Anyway, I thought that he was going to end up being the person who was actually going to like kill FDR or something like that. I thought that that's where it was going. Uh, I did not expect him to be who he was. So that was a cool twist. They got me. Yeah. They got and me. And it wasn't even in the mid-episode. The it's middle true. of the episode was it was much closer to the end of it. It's true. It's true. How did you like uh, LMD Coulson still geeking out about history and, and being able to you know see FDR – you know, and and just kind of geek out about FDR. I loved it. That was fun. Yeah. It was fun. I really liked Mac geeking out about FDR. Yes. Yeah. And actually, what was funny about that scene is he's geeking out about FDR in front of Freddie. Right. And and Freddie's like, what? And it just kind of gives him this look. And you're thinking Freddie's still just this this guy from the past. Or I'm thinking he's a Chronicom. Uh, and actually his reaction to Mac, that was when I was kind of thinking, okay, I'm wrong about that. I, I don't know. I, I didn't, again, I didn't correct myself and not have the correct, you know, intuition about who he was. But um, but I was wrong about the Chronicom thing because he's looking at Mac like, what are you talking about? And then, yeah, that was that was also fun. But just the way Coulson was... Oh, look at him. He's walking, you know. And well, and then they use that to figure out like the uh, you know, because when FDR had the reason he didn't walk so much is that he had polio, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was wheelchair bound, but he could move around if he, you know, and it was in great pain. So thankfully he wasn't on television all the time and he didn't have to have that you know, constant scrutiny 
Oh, if he was on television these days, he would never have gotten past the primaries. Never. Yeah, well, let's, yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Well, if he was on television in those days, he wouldn't have. I'm not convinced he wouldn't have today. I I think he might have today. Because he'd have better spin operators, spin doctors who could really push that into a new, into, you know. A new type of voting. Well, yeah, that well, would be that would be part of the narrative. Of, that would be part of the yeah, quote unquote selling points. Would be to oh, say it, this man knows about adversity yeah, and, yeah. or or disability or yeah yeah. But um, there's also the factor that at that time the press would keep a secret for the president. Um, this is also pre Nixon White uh, uh, Watergate era press so they respected the president's privacy they would not reveal something like he was wheelchair bound yeah and, and I, I do want to just quickly say um you know you you mentioned nixon nixon lost his first election for presidency because mm-hmm. of television yes like he did. did not anticipate how much television was going to affect that went into his first debate without any makeup and, Against... and looked horrible and- Against yeah, against, JFK. Yeah. yeah. And JFK had the makeup people, the hair people, went mm-hmm. on, looked like he was in control, looked like he was composed, and Nixon looked like a sweaty, rumpled mess. And and that was a big part of how the public swung against him was because right. he just – and maybe it's not so much swung against him but swung toward JFK is because JFK looked good on camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, I, from what I've been told, the people that listened to that debate only on the radio, they thought Nixon won the deba- debate, whereas the people watching television, because uh, JFK was looked so together, like you said, he, in those people's eyes, he won the debate. So image is everything when you're on television. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It'd be nice to have... Uh you know, a, a history guy on the podcast to tell us more, but, um, I didn't yeah, know this well, was going to come up when I was actually talking <laughs> to the history guy in the last episode. So. Yeah. Well, um, I'm supposed to be mean now. Yeah, Ben, <laughs> that's about as mean as I can get. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's talk about yo-yo. She got her hands back. Sort of. Sort of. Well, you know what that means, though. Here's what I know. Is when they (laughs) gave her those arms, my girls all said, oh, yes. Like, all together, in chorus, without looking at each other, just by looking at those arms, because they are so irritated by crazy oven gloves that that, (laughs) that, uh, Yo-Yo has been wearing in... And they're so glad to get rid of those things because they really, unfortunately, do. I think that Yo-Yo's arms are one of the weakest points of the show. Yeah, it looks it looks like a Cyberman from the 1960s. Yeah, or, um, or the Nintendo Power Nintendo Power Glove. <laughs> you know, it's just that too. They just didn't. Oh man. Well, and now they don't have to pay for VFX. Or any sort of effect costume or anything like that. No, no. That was the first thing I. That was the first thing I was like, "Oh, good. Now we don't have to pay for that anymore. Let's cut that cost." Well, but even then, the visual effect for her arms were really bad looking 
robot gloves. Right. I mean, even if they and, were robot gloves, they still needed to be maintained and built and all that. So well, and kept yeah, kept in good condition. And oh, so glad that they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, her body was ingesting the uh, invasive bat that had been placed in her body from last season so that's good too uh yeah see it's stuff like that that makes me wonder if they actually did have a plan or if they went okay we'll just do season six and then we'll worry about season seven later on well i i think that they had a general plan but as the season six went along they let the story play out as it was going to play out and that is actually an important uh, plot point of the end of the season is is her ending up with that inside of her and um and everything with that like that was important and so for them to they're they're not just sweeping that plot point under the the rug and it's not just it's not you know she got shot and 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 killed but it was all a dream you know it was important to last season and now it's not important so let's get rid of it because that is done you know the sarge and izel and the bat creatures done gone we're not going to think about them anymore Except in the sense of this is what happened to bring us to this point. So, but she's cured. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, or maybe the bats couldn't live exist long without Izel. I don't know. Yeah, one way or another, it's done though, and yeah, yeah, it's over. It's over. Here's something that's not over though. The star-crossed lovers. Separated across space and time again. For the right? love of all that is good and shiny, could we just please keep these two together? No, because then not. we can't have drama. Ah, mm. uh, okay. Oh. So, if the Chronicoms find Fitz, then they're going to have the secret to whatever time travel or whatever it is. I. So he has to hide. He can't reveal where he is. He's left a message for Simmons somewhere. Last time she saw him, he told her there's a message for you somewhere. Um, And they're not together. Again. (laughs) How how long? How long must we sing this song? How long? Well, we only got nine more episodes, so it's at least that long. <laughs> Man. You know, they need to be, get, be together long enough to make a baby so Deke can exist in the future. <laughs> I thought they already had, but... I, I thought so, too, but apparently that was a direction they decided not to go into. I mean, Simmons had the TV, I'm going to throw up and not feel good. Yeah, and I Which, do remember talking about that, so it must be mm-hmm. true. Everyone knows what that means, but <laughs> and then it meant nothing except, <laughs> oh, this is just so overwhelming; it's upsetting my stomach. Uh. <sighs> I I kind of hope that that gets resolved. Maybe not soon. Maybe not like the next episode, because I do like sort of the the groundwork we're building right now. You know, showing some of the characters, showing some of the beginnings of Shield, that sort of thing. But come on, let's get, let's get him back. Here's so the thing: our team can be our team. Yeah. You know, their child is not going to be Deke's mom because that 
timeline has flown. We are no longer in that timeline. Oh, that's right. Their that, child that was, was Deke's mom, but that was a different timeline where that child so, no longer exists and that timeline no longer exists. So Deke essentially has no way to trace his gene lineage. Like you and I can trace our lineage back as far as we can trace it. Right. Deke's like, Nope. Mom well, but he never exist. could. He never could. His lineage was forward, not backward. And so it was always something that was going to happen. It's just the difference is, you know, thinking back to back to the future, right. And back to the future, Marty's parents never got together. And so the, the kids in the picture were disappearing. Now that is one of the things that you have to say to yourself, it's just a show. I should really just relax, you know, because, you know, if conception happens five minutes later, it's going to be a different kid because of the, the DNA that comes from the building blocks of the egg and the sperm. And true. Um, and then, then, oh gosh, there's another time travel movie where, this guy time travels and does something and it changes the gender of his child. Oh gosh, who was it? Was it the butterfly effect with No. No, oh, but that, that is a, a good Yeah. Um It it got worse though. I don't know if you saw any of the sequels of the butterfly effect. But they I'm just I'm not even sure I saw the butterfly effect. There were effect, sequels to the butterfly effect? Yes, yes. So Why? the butterfly effect with Ashton Kushner, right? Yeah. Um is that his name? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they made like – it made money and was cheap. And so anything that makes yeah. money is cheap, they make sequels and they don't have to have the same actors, so they don't. Nope. And the sequels are basically the same idea, different characters. I don't remember much about them except for them being not even a fun diversion. You know, it was just I was spending time in a room with a movie on and and then I'm like, wow, I, I just spent time in this room with that movie on and I really wish I'd spent different time – in this room with a different movie, but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the butterfly effect is that's, that's, that's it, you know? And, and so Marty McFly getting his parents together in a different way in a, it should have created a different timeline, so to speak with, with different kids, unless you're looking at it as a time stream thing where time is writing itself or, or correcting itself. And you know, and that's which what you get what with, Deke, which is what Deke subscribes to, right? Right, right. So what he says, okay, yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the Star Trek thing. You know, the the Star Trek thing is that no matter what the timeline is, these people are going to be friends. You know, and their relationship is so important to time that it's going to happen no matter what. And yeah, okay, okay. I mean, I've I've yeah. read some other time travel things of alternate histories. Of Star Trek. When 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 I was in high school and college, I read a lot of Star Trek novels, and there was more than one where it was a time travel thing where something completely odd is happening in history, but Kirk and Spock are still going to end up with each other to solve the problem because they're Kirk and Spock, and it's, they're kind of a focal point of, of the timeline, I guess, or something like that. And considering how, much, how many times they changed history... <laughs> And created created headaches for the uh, uh, what's the the temporal the Department of Temporal <laughs> Investigations. Yeah, yeah. 
as many times as they cause problems for them, maybe that they maybe they created themselves as being a focal point in time because they changed time so many times. But anyway, we're not talking about Star Trek. We're talking about Fitz and Simmons. Simmons got dark in this episode. She was just like, I'm going to stab this robot, I guess, whatever. I don't care in the neck. And I really don't have a problem with you having a problem with it. Do you have a problem with it? It was dark. But do you have a problem with it? It's not the first time that she's gotten to be pretty dark. I just feel like she's at the end of her rope. Like, yeah, I just want to be with my man. And And don't you remember when when she touched one of those stones and she was hurled across the galaxy? Yeah. Well, and, you know, the whole season six where she's just trying to find fits, you know, and and she's making really important choices without her her team being on board, you know, and she's not in charge, but she's going to go ahead and do the drive and make it so that they're stuck back there in the backwater of the universe or whatever. I mean, she's it's not out of character. No, and and she's. her being at the end of the rope is is a very apt description of it because she's just I the only way I know how to do something right now is to do it this way. And if you have a problem with that, there's the door, you know. And there's part of me that also says it's a robot. You know, is it feeling pain? Does does it have well, I guess I mean if it's like Enoch. Right, Enoch. Am I getting his yes, name wrong? Yeah, yeah. no, yes, it's that's Enoch. His name. It's Enoch. Enoch. Yeah, uh, Enoch has sentience mm-hmm. and and feelings, and and so I guess the other ones do too, except that they've been turned into hunters now or, or warriors. No, they're hunters. Well, it's yes, yes, but the way we treat. The whole the whole debate and argument and and conversation about AI has to deal with the way we treat AI, not the way AI responds to our treatment of them. So I'm not talking about talking to your toaster. It, it really, it's measure of a man from season yep. two. Yeah, a lot of it does TNG. come back to that. You know, it's. That thing right there, yeah, it may not have a lot of flesh and bones, but it is still sentient. It's still talking. Did she have every right to torture the chronic cop, chronic cook, whatever? Yeah, probably. Because at this point, he's just a, a, a MacGuffin to get the, you know, the the thing out. The, the Let's propel the story out. But yeah. what does it say about her? Yeah, well, is he, that she's at the end of a rope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You also have the conversation between Enoch and the one that they captured, where the one that they captured says, "Oh, so it's true. You did choose to be with these people." And then Enoch says, "And you chose nothing. You just did what you were told to do." And and, and so the, there is that free will, you know. And I think that mm-hmm. that free will is in a lot of cases. Um, maybe a, a, a determination of of sentience, you know, where an animal doesn't act out of free will; it acts out of instinct, so to speak. And and whereas humans can go against instinct 
uh, to do other things because of quote unquote free will or whatever you want to call it, um, that allows us to go in some ways beyond mere instinct. And, and some would say that even then it's still instinct, you know, like, like when you choose to pay your neighbor's rent, um, that's still part of instinct and, and helping the species survive, you know, and, and you know, it can go into deep, interesting places with conversation. Um, but here you have a soldier who has chosen to do some bad things. And, and that's the other thing where, you know, does that give Simmons uh, a little more permission, I guess, to treat him the way she does and to um, torture him the way she does? Because then he ends up just putting himself into overload or whatever and commits yeah. su- suicide. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's more about the way Simmons can choose to treat him that way or not. Um, But at this point, she's got no other choice. And she's got, you know, she's determined to figure the thing out. So I guess I'm okay with her doing it only because she's, you know, she, she has her reasons. I don't know that I could be in that position and doing it, but then I also didn't travel to space and lose my spouse. And yeah. Yeah. We're never going to be in that position, you know? Yeah. And and again, this is where science fiction gives us exaggerated versions of things that we do have to deal with, you know, where you are asking yourself, is this behavior okay? You know, and, and is a similar, but not nearly as extreme version of that, uh, okay for me, you know, and, and allow us to ask, ask those questions. And well, it's a, it's the, it's about the way you treat other people. You know, I treat other people with the reason, Oh, here you go. The reason I can't be mean to you, Ben, is because I don't know how to, you know, I'm not a very good mean person. You know what I mean? I, despite what Daniel said, told me, I, <laughs> I just couldn't do it. But it's not about the way I treat you. It's about the way I, it's not, a, it's not about you, Ben. It's about me. I don't treat you with disrespect because I don't want to treat people with disrespect. Um, again, I understand what, you know, what her situation is. Now, if you push me to the brink, you know, I might be a little bit mean to you, Ben. I'm sorry. So maybe the problem isn't you. It's me. I haven't pushed you hard enough to make you be mean. It's, but see, let's not go there. Why do that? I, I, I think we have to go there because that's just what it, it's going to take. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> see, Samantha gets it. She could just say no. Hey, you, you know, talk about the, how we treat others, though, and, and you know, how we treat AI. Um, one interesting observation of of behavior was how people treated Tickle Me Elmo, where no matter <laughs> how you touched Tickle Me Elmo, he would laugh. And so you had some videos that would pop up, and you know this is this is 15 years ago, so it's not like going viral in the same way um, that something's viral now. But you had these videos that were popping up of of teenagers like torturing Tickle Me Elmo. You know, and doing things like setting it on fire and hitting it and kicking it and pushing it and, and, and you know, hitting it with baseball bats. And it's just giggling and laughing. 
And it's unsettling because you have this violent behavior toward it and it's laughing about it. Um, and, and so it did bring up just a whole lot of questions of like, why is this unsettling? Why is this funny, you know, in, in a way to some people and, you know, but it's not a real thing. It's, it's not an actual person. It just has eyes and a mouth and a voice that sounds like a person, you know, and, and so is this unethical? And in some ways, I think the answer is that the, while it may not be unethical, the motivation behind it might be. And motivation is what matters in a, in a lot of senses. I mean, that's the whole biblical concept. You may not murder someone, but if you're thinking about it, that's a problem. You know, that that motivation. And yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's what I love about sci-fi. I'm mm-hmm. just going to put it out there and I probably have put it out there many, many times before. But sci-fi allows us to have conversations about this stuff and about mm-hmm. cause and effect and time travel and about um, like you just you brought up, you know, that idea of how I treat other people and how I treat AI. So, it's, you know, it, it just that's what I love about sci-fi. And that's the surprising fun bit that we've gotten out of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is it has gone there so many times. What about her drawer full of stuff that she's got? Did you, all the different types of money and all that prepar, preparation, that was pretty impressive. Well, you know, they were gone for a very short amount of time in last season when they showed up to pick everybody up after all of the stuff had happened and the whole battle in the, the lighthouse and, and in the temple and everything. When it was all done, they they packed up and left really quickly. But she's been gone for a long time Yeah, because of time travel and getting everything Which- ready. Costumes, period piece guns. I'm hoping that we will get an explanation about because uh, it's possible that they've been bouncing around in time so much that Simmons it doesn't exactly know how long it's been, but she may have a general idea. And I'm sure she can, t- she hopefully she can tell the difference between what feels like a few months to a few years. Well, and again, that's separated across time and space i mean are we looking at years that it's been since she saw fits all she says Possibly. is it's been a long time you know and are we going to get an a episode? relative <laughs> phrase i mean to to a three-year-old five minutes is a very long time i was just talking with someone about this about how kids just have no sense of time whenever you have kid guess how old you are You know, and I have kids, you know, I work with kids every, you know, on a weekly basis, not now I'm working for kids on a weekly basis, doing things in my job, but I'm not, you know, the social distancing and everything. I'm not seeing them face to face. But when we did, you know, people would guess my age, kids would guess my age as being 30, as being 50, 75, (laughs) 45, you know, and so when a kid says 30, it makes you feel good, but they have no sense of, of scale Mm -hmm. of time. You know, to them, 30 is an old man. Right. 30 Uh, is about as ancient as you could be. Yeah. Or 90 is just a big number. And and so 90 could apply to me. Um, But they they don't have a sense of time. But Simmons, I think, would have a sense of it. Well, Um, and and like Doctor Who, you know, he bounces around or she bounces around time all all. All the time. The whole yeah. point, all the time, yeah. <laughs> but every day is a day in her. So we don't follow 
like a chronological calendar time for that show. You follow the doctor's timeline, the doctor's story. It'd be interesting to see where she's been. And that's what I was wondering is, are we going to get another episode? Like we got, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was like the name of the episode was how many minutes I think, or how many days she had been on that planet that you were talking about earlier, Sam, where. I think yeah. it was like 4,227 or something like something. that. If you were close, then that is really impressive because all I know. And is I remember it, that because I did, I was browsing through the episode titles recently and I saw that. So okay. I think that's why I'm so close. Cause in my memory, it was just a number. <laughs> and, <laughs> All right. Anything else to talk about with this episode? Anything from your notes that we didn't cover as we kind of took this little more scattershot uh, conversation? But I don't see it. No, all my, stuff's, oh. all my stuff's covered. Oh, if I was going to say, uh, I do have one note. It's not a big deal. But um, if Yogo had chosen to keep her mechanical arms, the ones she had before, she could have chosen to wear long gloves because they were still fashionable in the 1930s. That is true. Very classy. You'd have rivets visible in them, you know, but she would just wherever there's like a rivet or whatever, just put a gem on there. Right. Because didn't they like have like (laughs) jewels on on their gloves when when it was like these really, you know, classy things? Yes. Yeah. See, you would you would fit in just fine when when Spock needed to hide his ears. You'd be be right there helping him. Oh, (laughs) yes. Which are Here, some of the, wear this hat. Yeah, some of the f- most fun moments in in Star Trek is when they're trying to hide hide his ears. You know, I'll, I will knit you a hat to put onto your head to hide your <laughs> ears perfectly. Use the uh, Karate Kid outfit. Oh yes, from the headband. The movie four. Speaking of headbands, <laughs> I'm looking at the season poster. Yeah. Oh, they are going to do some bouncing around if, if what I am seeing is correct. They're not going to stay in the 1930s. That's what I'm saying. We'll see. We'll see. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that this is, quote, a victory lap. We've said that many times this episode, but yes. I, I'm hoping this is going to be a victory lap where they kind of get to hit key moments in, in S.H.I.E.L.D. history because they're using time travel. So use it, you know, use it well. Have fun with it. Lean into it. Not just like have the ability, but actually use it to tell a story. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I love that stuff anyway. You know, I, I Voyagers is one of my earliest uh, fandoms, I think. You know, Star Wars and there's a couple other things. But Voyagers is one of my earliest fandoms. It was a show that I caught it whenever I could. And it was just about a kid and a time traveler going through time, fixing it. And that was the whole setup is they would go and we, we give history a nudge when it's needed, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they're just fixing history wherever they go. And there's like three different time periods in every episode. Uh, and they bounce between the three of them and, and or two of them. And um, I love that show so much. And it really has informed in a lot of ways some of my own uh, work as an adult. You know, my first published comic book was about time travel. Um, my first graphic novel series that I did for a major publisher was about time travel. Uh, I mean, I just, I just love time travel and, and the possibilities. I was a big, uh, I, I, I was against it 
for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was really hoping they did not get into time travel before they did it. Once they did it, I'm like, okay, I'm in because this is where we're going. Same with Fitzsimmons. I was against them coming together and becoming a couple. But once they did it, I'm like, okay, here we are. You know, let's – so take us where you're going to take us. But I'm, a, I'm against the show writers constantly keeping them apart because – well, That's this has been used in, in – I mean, either you have your couple constantly bickering with each other or they're constantly apart with shows like this. So, Yeah, because he, they finally got together and then he gets killed and then she tries to find him and now they're together again at the end of the last season. But they were just getting to know each other for the first time again, you know, as, as he's figuring yeah. out who he is and – that's the other interesting thing about the series is we got Fitz, who's not the same Fitz. You've got Coulson, who's not the same Coulson. Um, yeah, it, it's just. Well, everybody on the show has changed over time. I mean, uh, Daisy's not the same Daisy. When we first met her, her name was Sky. Yeah, but Coulson and Fitz are actually different people. Yes. <laughs> well, with Fitz, it's slightly different. He just missed out on a few months of his life with everyone else. Right. And which is, you know, going back to the baby conversation, maybe it's better this way that they didn't go into the, like, not only did he miss his wedding, he has a child that's not his child. Like, there's a lot. But it is his child. Yeah. I mean, but it isn't, you know, like he, it's. It might be his DNA, but it wasn't his child. And by the way, have you guys ever watched Eureka? Love Eureka. Uh, Fantastic show. The second episode of that show has that happen where mm-hmm. the guy who dies. I just discovered it this year. And so I'm somewhere in season three. I started watching the first season with my kids. But um, the first episode is about this guy who um, has this creation that ends up killing him and his wife and leaving their son parentless. And then the wife shows up in the next episode and it turns out that the wife who had the son was a copy of this other woman. And, and so she then takes in the child, but she takes in the child who it's got her DNA, but it's not, it's not her child, but it's, it's really, you know, again, you're getting into these questions and these ideas, mm-hmm. and it. I think a lot of it does boil down to what you said, Stuart, about how do I treat other people? Mm-hmm. And, and and the, it's not about the effect on them; it's about the effect on you. Yeah, you know, there well, is or both. One, it ends up being both. There is there yeah. is a possible scenario in real life where that actually could happen. If that other person, that identical person was your identical twin. And that person had a child would say the love of your life, but they took the love of your life away. And then that, then your twin died and he came back into the life of your, the love of your life and their child. Genetically, that child would be directly linked to you as a parent. Yes. Um, Because identical twins have exact identical DNA. So it's possible. There you go, Ben. That's your that's your next comic book series. There you go. Yeah, it's possible, but again, it's not going to happen to us. 
Actually, that sounds more like the plot of a Lifetime movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Or a comedy. Yeah. Wasn't there a comedy about uh, a donor who found out that he had like 100 children around the city or something like that? And... Something like that, yeah. Actually, I think that's based on real life. I think you're right. Yeah. So hook up Warehouse 13 to your Eureka watch. I hear they're a shared universe. Is that correct? They are. They are a shared universe. Yes. They are. All right. Well, I think that that wraps up our conversation here. Um, we did not get any feedback about this episode, and that's okay because we're recording like the very next day. Uh, right. But we would love to hear from you about what you think about the season and about what you think about this episode. And that feedback can go to feedback at welcome to level 7com That's our email address or on Facebook. I did, however, just want to give a shout out to uh, uh, to Jeff Sadler and thank you for the email that you sent to us. I appreciate that. And um, yeah, there's a there's a bit here where I'm going to not read that part, but this part here. I'm looking forward to the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a week or two. I'm hoping this last season is a victory lap. There it is again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that will have, uh, leave the crew on a high note. With regard to the rest of the MCU, I finally almost caught up. I finished Cloak and Dagger with you guys. I'm caught up with Runaways. And while I'm typing this, I watched the last episode of Punisher Season 2. All I have left is Jessica Jones Season 3. That's on my to-do list this summer. Looking forward to getting back to the movies, but Black Widow seems impossibly far away. Just want to say thanks for everything and keep it up. And I want to say thank you to you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Appreciate it Yay. a lot. Yay. Email. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Um. Yeah, so that's it. That's our episode. You guys have any any final words? Well, uh, as always, thanks guys for listening, and I'm glad that we're back in a at least now a semi regular recording sessions, and we'll you know keep it up. And I'd like to thank our Patreon patrons, but I don't have a updated list of who they are <laughs> well i think that just a, but, a general thank you would be fine for this episode <laughs> yeah thank you all so very much for your support uh it, again it that money is going towards keeping the website up and um what ben's new computer did you get a new computer with the funds that you had uh, not yet not and yet okay. part of that was when i was finally ready to do it um i still put it off and put it off and then I couldn't do it because I put it off ah. into a quarantine. So, ah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Because you were talking about that in December. In yeah. December. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things yeah. that just kept, like I said, putting it off and newegg.com. Yeah. You need to visit newegg.com. Newegg.com. Yeah, newegg. Yeah. All right. And I just want to say to everyone, thank you for listening and thank you for being supportive. Thank you for joining us in conversation about things on Facebook. And um, thank you for just having fun with us, hopefully having fun with us, watching the MCU. And I I don't care what people say and I don't care what ends up happening. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is MCU. And, you know, it would take some very serious um, – very serious convincing on on my part to, to make me not think it was. Um, it is. Carter is MCU. It's all MCU and Stuart. It is all connected. So, But yes, thank you for listening. And Samantha, Stuart, thank you for joining me. And uh, I just wanted to say, appreciate you guys. 
And I want you to know something. Samantha Stewart. I appreciate you guys. And I'll do anything for you guys. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls. And you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. So I found the name of that movie that I was talking about where the guy went back in time and he changed something and ended up changing the gender of his child. Um, right. It's called About Time. That's a cool it stars, title. Uh, it is. Um, it's, uh, it was made in 2013. It's, it's, it's more fantasy than sci-fi and it's much, much more philosophical um, than science fiction. Um, and it's, it's stars... Um, Domhnall Gleeson and Bill Niley and Rachel McAdams. Um, and it, it's romantic too. Um, but it's, it's about this guy who he discovers from his father that the men in their family can, if they go into a dark place and think really hard, they can travel back in time oh. and they can, and, but the things that they do do affect their present. Um, and it's really good to watch. Um, there's some scenes that may not be good for the younger viewers. Um, I think it's like border. It's like I think it's PG-13 borderlining on R because of a couple scenes. Um, but I mean, if you're looking for a date night movie, that's a really good movie. <laughs> you know what? Go ahead. I'm saying. You know what? Another movie, kind of along those lines, where it's. I, I, it's been interesting because there's been some really good low budget time travel stuff that's happened in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. But have you seen Safety Not Guaranteed? Mm-mm. Oh, wait. I've heard of that. Okay. So it has Aubrey Plaza in it. it from Parks and Rec. And my husband's mm-hmm. probably seen it. Well, and it's just, it's just stuff. a really low budget time travel movie because. It's not even really that much time travel, but there's someone who puts a, an, a, um, a want ad in the newspaper and it just says safety, not guaranteed wanted um, someone to go travel through time with me. And it's this romantic comedy and it's really, really nice. I really enjoyed it. Did you guys ever see um, the time traveler's wife? Oh yeah. Actually the book's a lot better than the movie. The book is a lot better than the movie, but what I liked about that one is she is going forward and he's going backwards. Well, not backwards. So, he's he's jumping through time, through his own lifetime. But, like, he meets her at the very end of his life or something like that for the first time? Not necessarily, so, no. It was, a, it was, again, 
a romantic time travel movie. And so I think the Venn diagram of those two things is very small. So I, I yeah. feel <laughs> point out <laughs> another it, example. Yeah. Um, uh, that actually, that book's really interesting because it doesn't have chapters so much as um, a section will begin with uh, one of the two lovers' names mm-hmm. and the date. And um, you can read read it from cover to cover straightforward. Or if you have um, a list of all the dates and um, um, and what pages that they're on, you can actually skip around from uh, following one person's timeline to another person's timeline or uh, under a certain sequence of events. So you can actually read this book and see it from different the two different perspectives of the two people. That's cool. You you may have just sold me on that book. You may it's have. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There, um, there's a Star Trek novel that I read that has a character who ages backwards. And I always found that really interesting. Like to try and – I would love to try and write a book about someone aging backwards. And so everything that's happening around them is happening in backwards chronology. You know, so you're watching people de-age in front of your own eyes, you know, and, and you're watching them move backward and you see the effect before the cause, you know, and, and just how would that work? And, um, it, cause the Star Trek novel, it doesn't work very well. Like it's, I, I don't remember it being all that intriguing other than the idea. Um, and there's actually in, um, in the time traveler, tra- time traveler's wife, there's a lot of that that happens. Right. A lot. Right. He he sees things that she doesn't and, and doesn't understand yet. And he makes decisions based on that knowledge. Mm-hmm. But that reminds me of Benjamin Button, that Brad Pitt movie, which was based on a show by or a book by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Right. Mm-hmm. Where he. But he's literally aging backwards, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, he, there's he, no time he's travel. born like 80 years old and then he gets progressively younger. Right. And then. And then he dies as a baby. Yeah. But he's going chronic. I mean, but the time span that he lives in is uh, chronological uh, for everyone else. Everyone is, I mean, he's not jumping around in time. He's 80 years. Yeah. Yeah. He's not jumping around in time. He's just de-aging. His body is just aging that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Real quick before we're done, then. Uh, another backwards time thing that's made played for laughs. There's a red dwarf episode <laughs> where they go to another universe where time moves backwards. And then there was also the novelization, which was, isn't really a novelization. The, the, the red dwarf novels are kind of different takes and kind of a different universe, uh, but taking the same stories and, and playing with them. It goes into a lot more detail where it's the episode plays for laughs. The idea that when you eat food, the food is actually coming out of your mouth. And so there's a lot of backwards camera tricks and you know, where the food is like going out of the mouth and into the hand and they're spitting the drink back into their cups and everything like that. Um, and they, they actually make money uh, by doing a vaudeville show of doing everything just normal for them, but it looks backwards for everyone who's watching it. Um, but the book actually gets kind of gross where it's talking about how the food is coming out of your mouth, but then they also talk about how the food actually gets into your body. And it's just like, um, but I, I love red dwarf so much. I mean, it's just never seen a red dwarf. I've seen a few, I've seen a few episodes. It's really, 
weird. <laughs> you know, but it's 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 sci-fi comedy. It, but it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. And it and it's sci-fi comedy, but it's not just, hey, we're on a spaceship and we're doing funny stuff. It's taking sci-fi tropes, like what I just talked about, and then playing that for laughs on a real intelligent intelligent level. You know, where, you know, it I I I it ta- they, they have cyborg stuff where they're, they're getting into what is life like as a cyborg? What is life like when you're a hologram and, and you can't touch anything? Um, the main character uh, is the last remaining human in the universe because he got in trouble and was put into stasis for the rest of their uh, journey on this mining ship. Uh, but then there's an accident on the mining ship and kills everyone on the crew. And so he stays in stasis for three million years. You know, and it's just... Uh, it's stuff like that, but then it plays off on things. And again, I love sci-fi that asks questions and gives you things to think about. And Red Dwarf does that. You may not like the characters. You may not like the style. It's cheap. It's British sci-fi that, you know, is, is, is done as a half hour comedy. So it's going to be cheap. Less budget than Doctor Who. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, I mean, they're pretty much working with cardboard walls. I mean, it's not much more than that. Yeah. But they are having fun doing it. And, you know, if it's your kind of thing, man, I I really recommend it. But yeah. And there's there's a lot of time travel stuff in that and multiverse stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So they're they're, one of the main characters, Rimmer. He's just an awful human being. Um and then he meets himself from another universe and he's like the greatest hero in that universe, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just really depressing because he's seeing like the best of what he can be. And, and this, this person who's such a good person has all, you know, all the the success that this other guy who was not a good person <laughs> never had. And he's just jealous of himself, you know, and there's just, um, there's one episode where they go back in time and they end up, uh, in Dallas uh, on the day that JFK was killed and they actually realize if we don't uh, we, we they stop the, the the assassination from happening and then go into the future and it's it's uh, it's bad it's a it's it's a wasteland because JFK survived and all these things happen and, and they realize we changed history we have to go back and change it back and you're just it's not that's not the funniest episode ever. And it gets, it goes into some places. It's pretty dark, but it also does get you kind of thinking, you know, and, and it asks, it's kind of the backwards question of, would you kill Hitler, Hitler as a child, you know? And, and I think that's some ways where, where agents of shield is going, where, mm-hmm. you know, these chronicoms are going back in time to stop Hydra from being created. That's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yep. All right. Hey, thanks for talking, you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for showing up, and we'll get back together next week. Yay. See ya.